Welcome to another episode of Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on spirometry and respiratory care. Your host is Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager for Vitalgraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Today, we talk to Danielle Rinkley. She's a project coordinator at the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. We discuss what was involved at the Resource Center and what the future holds. We also talked about Danielle's podcast, which we were a guest on recently. Hi, Danielle, and welcome to our podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, please give us a little bit of background on yourself, education, experience, and what is your current responsibilities? My name is Danielle Rankley, and I have a Bachelor's of Science in Sociology from Ball State University, and that's focused in statistics and inequality. And prior to starting at my current position with the Indiana Rural Health Association, I worked for the Indiana Department of Health in the Division of Emergency Preparedness for about four years. And obviously since 2020, that was primarily related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I have a fair amount of response experience in public health, (laughs) but I joined the Indiana Rural Health Association in April of 2020. So I've been here for about five months now. And my responsibilities with IRHA are related to a couple of grants, but the most relevant thing here today is my work with the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, where I'm a program coordinator. I also run our podcast. Tell us about the Indiana Rural Health Association and who makes up this group. Sure thing. I work for the Indiana Rural Health Association, and I'm going to call that IRHA from now on, so I'm not saying that over and over again. (laughs) So we're a nonprofit And what we do is provide support for our rural communities in the state of Indiana, specifically in matters of health. So we're a member organization. So we have members. It's over 2,000 by now. And we have a board elected from those members. And we do a lot of health advocacy work. And we also have a lot of different grant programs and other things like that housed under IRHA. So with the various grants and programs, we have programs dealing with a lot of different stuff that affects rural communities like substance use disorder and connecting kids to coverage and care. And we have one that deals with implementing telestroke monitoring programs. And the one I'm talking about today, the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center is also housed under IRHA. It's a little bit unique, though, because unlike a lot of the other programs we house, it covers multiple states and it isn't just limited to rural populations. We provide assistance to everyone in those four states that we cover. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center? Yeah, sure. So the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, the UMTRC, It's a resource center for telehealth, and we cover four states, like I said, and that's Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, and Michigan. And we are funded through a HRSA grant, and HRSA is the Health Resources and Services Administration. And we're part of the larger telehealth resource center program. What type of programs do they provide? Yeah, sure. So the Telehealth Resource Center program, that is the National Consortium of Telehealth Resource Centers is the official name for it. It's there to help build telehealth programs, and it's a big program. So there's 12 regional centers in the United States, and that's going to cover the whole thing. So no matter where you are, there's a TRC, a telehealth resource center covering you. And there's also two national centers. So it's a nationwide program that helps connect folks with telehealth resources And I work for the one just covering the four states in the upper Midwest. 
What type of telehealth programs are? Does it deal with the whole gamut of healthcare, from mental health to anything to do with respiratory care or such? Yeah, so we cover all aspects of telehealth with our program. Specifically, we do a lot of outreach and education. We have webinars and a lot of resources available through our website that help folks get connected on matters of telehealth. And that can include things like remote patient monitoring devices or how do you set up a telehealth clinic in your practice, things like that. Uh, We also provide news and updates, including things to do with like the emergency orders for COVID-19 when that was something that was updating very frequently. And also any news about insurance coverage for telehealth, because that's obviously relevant to the folks we're serving. We also provide technical assistance for folks who are trying to set up their own systems. And some people have contracts with us where we'll do specific educational webinars with them or help them set up certain programs. It honestly really depends on what people need from us. They reach out to us if we don't already have the resources that they need like available on our website or through any of our webinars and we go from there. So at the end of the day, our main focus is just on helping providers and organizations in our service area get connected with the resources they need to be successful with telehealth. And it's a really big topic, obviously, and there's always more to learn because it's something that's always developing. So we always have more work to do with providing resources or more information. And how long have they been doing this? Ooh, I'd have to look off the top of my head. I don't know. I know we do predate COVID and I think it's more than a decade old at this point, the TRC programs. Telehealth and telemedicine has been around a long time. However, because of the pandemic has kind of brought it into new light, what is the outlook of telehealth medicine? So from a basic level, it's health-related services that you're able to access via electronic and telecommunication system. That's like the, if you were to Google it, that's the definition. So when you see your primary care provider via like a Zoom call, that's telehealth. And that's what most people think of when you say, oh, I've got a telehealth appointment or a telehealth service. But it encompasses things outside of that too, like remote patient monitoring devices, like the Apple Watch I'm wearing is technically a telehealth device. And other things like if you go to a practice and see a doctor there through a remote system or what have you, that's also telehealth. And it encompasses things aside from sick care. So when you mentioned telemedicine and telehealth, we talk about things that promote wellness in addition to just things that are like sick care. So that's why we say telehealth and not telemedicine. So it's more of an expanded definition. So most folks used to say telemedicine and now we're moving towards telehealth because we don't wanna just be doing sick care. We wanna be doing prevention and promoting wellness and all of that. I agree. So the current states, the four states that you cover, have you found big growth or is it still kind of gradual? Yeah. So that's a complicated question because it's very much a growing field. And there are some practices that lend itself themselves very well to telehealth, like, for example, behavioral health. And from what studies we've seen and just my own perceptions from what I've seen in my role here, a lot of consumers really like it and a lot of practices really like it. It helps cut down on a lot of other services that aren't necessarily needed. So folks generally like it. And I feel like it will continue to expand through our service area. One of the things that we do come across that's an issue is insurance coverage, because there's some confusion with that and different states have adapted at different speeds 
to covering telehealth, like from an insurance standpoint, and obviously you can't get care if you can't pay for it. So that's something that as we move forward, I would really hope that in five years or 10 years, there's a lot more clarity in that coverage. And I believe that will lead to a higher utilization rate just overall. Basically, what has put everybody to the forefront, it was obviously the COVID pandemic, and, and it has impacted everybody in some way, shape, or form. A lot of people were working from home, utilizing Zoom and other platforms to communicate. So what has the telehealth landscape look like now, and what have they learned from the COVID pandemic? So obviously, when we talk about COVID-19 and telehealth, that was just a huge, like a huge sea change because you had all of these professionals who very suddenly had to do a hard transition to telehealth or just not be able to provide care. So that was a huge shift for providers and obviously for patients too. I saw a statistic the other day, I was reading about this, um, in some places during the pandemic when there were really high infection rates, the amount of folks receiving telehealth appointments increased like 80 fold, not like eight fold, like 80 fold. So it was a huge increase. And then in other senses, it was just a huge acceleration as well. You had this gradual expansion of telehealth that was happening and all of a sudden that was something that had to happen like very quickly. And I hate the phrase, the new normal, by the way, but I do think that going back to the time before COVID in regards to telehealth just isn't going to happen because it's just provided so many additional services and more accessibility for all sorts of people. So I think that's something that COVID did, and I wouldn't say this was a good thing brought about by COVID because I don't think there were very many good things brought about by COVID, but I do think that the acceleration in telehealth that we see and the just increased adoption rate among patients and providers, that was something that has definitely changed the telehealth and the healthcare landscape today. You mentioned a few complications with payers and getting on board. What other roadblocks out there to expand telehealth? Yeah, sure. So like I said, insurance is the big one. Like you said, we're in a patchwork issue right now. There's, we're just in a different kind of limbo, like different states have different attitudes, speeds of adoption, all that. But beyond just insurance, there's always a limit to what you can accomplish through telehealth. Like it works fantastically for some aspects of healthcare. Like I mentioned behavioral health before, that's a place where we've seen huge adoption rate and just a huge amount of efficacy because you don't need to necessarily physically examine your patient for that to like have the same impact. But there are times when people just need to physically go see a medical professional. Like <laughs> I can't drive home with an MRI machine in the trunk of my car to <laughs> do an MRI next week. That's just not realistic. And I think people do need to be realistic about that when we're talking about telehealth in the future of it. It can just be an issue where I guess technology literacy, I would say, can be a barrier. On one hand, you have people who just are not familiar with technology and that keeps them away from telehealth. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who seem to think that technology is a magic solution. And again, these are people who necessarily don't have the same level of experience with technology. So they just don't understand what the actual limitations and the actual just what it can do is. So the reality obviously lies somewhere in the middle of people who think technology is scary and I don't want to go near it. And people on the other end who are like, technology is literally magic. So uh, we have to manage expectations. So people aren't afraid to take advantage of telehealth and the great benefits it can have, but 
also don't overestimate what it can do, if that makes sense. So I was wondering, I hear that you have a podcast and what are the issues and information you like to talk about? And my second question is, what inspired you to do this? For us on this podcast, it was COVID and it was an outlet for people to you know, reach out and get information. And that's why we came up with an inception of a podcast. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, of course. So our podcast is called A Virtual View, and we do episodes twice a month on the first and third Fridays. And it is something that predates COVID. So we've had three hosts now. I'm the third. (laughs) So I do host that. And I talk to a variety of different guests. Mostly we keep in the realm of telehealth and health technology because that's just relevant to our audience. But We touch on other related healthcare topics too. For example, a while back, we had a really great conversation with a rural physician about provider burnout in rural areas. And that does tie to telehealth in the sense that utilizing telehealth can reduce that provider burnout. But to say I'm not picky with the guests I come on isn't the right way to phrase it. But if I think somebody is going to have an interesting conversation with me, particularly if it's related to something that I think would be useful for my audience or the folks who visit the telehealth resource centers to know, then I'm all for having them on. What inspired us to do it and what has inspired us to continue it, because we've been operating it for a while, is that it provides a really great reach to folks in our service area and just gives them more information about topics. We also make great connections that way. Like, for example, getting to talk to you folks and other folks who deal with aspects of telehealth in some cases, but also just aspects of healthcare that I might necessarily not have thought of. It's just providing those connections and providing that additional information for people, which I think can be really great. And just a podcast is something where people can listen to it at their own pace. They can listen to them all in one day or they can keep up to it week to week as it comes out. And I think that's been really useful just for people who want to stay up to date on telehealth, you know? (laughs) We agree, not just in telehealth, but healthcare in general. We started this podcast and we asked what kind of listenerships we're going to have. And it started slow until a couple of hot topics and good guests and it took off. Danielle, had you done podcasts prior to this or was this your first podcast? (laughs) No, this is my first podcast. So I was a little bit nervous, I'll admit, to be on the other side of the mic being interviewed because I'm usually the one doing the interviewing. So (laughs) That's exactly how I feel. I did Danielle's podcast earlier this week, and it was really hard to field those questions. Yeah, like I don't get nervous recording these podcasts anymore. I'm just like, wow, I'm going to go have a great conversation with somebody who probably knows a lot about an interesting topic. But when I was being interviewed, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you really don't want to make a mistake. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, I'm the interviewer. I'm supposed to be great at this. But something you mentioned earlier that I think is really important in telehealth and just in healthcare in general is just that aspect of connection. And I think when folks get so caught up in like new technologies and new just ways to do things that they sort of fail to appreciate what is the most important aspect of of telehealth in my perspective. And that's just connection because you have people in rural areas who can get connected with providers that there's no way they'd be able to see. And then you have people who can connect across state lines and things like that. And I just think that connection is such an important aspect of telehealth, of uh, podcasting, of healthcare, that in the future, I just think that's something that should be 
continually touched on and just kept in mind. So why is it important to provide educational material about telehealth and related issues on your program? Yeah, so this is something new. Folks don't instinctively know and things change and develop at a pace that can make it hard to catch up with sometimes. But like anything, telehealth won't be used unless people can understand it. And I think it's a really great tool. I want people to use it. And I feel like that sentiment is common throughout all the telehealth resource centers. We do this because we want people to be able to use this really great tool and not just providers and organizations, just like common people. I want someone who thinks telehealth would be a good avenue for them to seek care to be able to do that comfortably and with confidence. And that's why providing these kind of resources and educational materials is just so important because you don't wake up one day and just know about a new technology or new system. You have to learn. And I think that's something that people experienced firsthand throughout COVID and not just with healthcare, with suddenly working remotely. And it's like, how do I make Zoom work? How do I work at home? All of this. So, yeah, I just think people need to be able to learn to be able to use resources. And so we're just providing a place where they can learn freely and just with accurate and reliable information, hopefully. No, I agree with you because, and I'm going to date myself, when the internet started, <laughs> you know, it's new technology and everybody was a buzz and I had no idea what it was. And right. uh, in fact, I had to go back and, and I took a couple of classes at a local junior college just on what, how to utilize a search engine, you know, mm -hmm. emails and such like that. And it, just to, to learn about it because it was completely foreign. I had no idea. I mean, my first half of my career, we didn't have any emails or we had pagers and actual pay phones. And that was the way you connected with people and memos within the office. But then the internet came and emails and computers transformed. And, and it's, it, you're, you're exactly right. You have to, you have to learn the technology and how to learn that technology. You have to reach out and, and connect with them, either webinars, podcasts, or like myself, go back to school and take a couple of classes. Yeah, but we can laugh today about like, oh, you didn't know what email and a search engine was. It just seems so foreign. But yeah, there was a time when those things just didn't exist. And I think as technology and like telehealth, from my perspective, continue to develop, like there is going to be a huge need for places where people can learn and things like maybe in 50 years or what have you, not that the internet is 50 years old, but <laughs> we can laugh about it and be like, oh, wow, you don't know how like, I don't know, holograms or whatever work. But yeah, there's always going to be a point of adoption where people need to start learning things. And I think it's important to provide that. And I saw a story the other day about libraries and how they're transforming into more of a resource center themselves, you know, and diversifying on a lot of information and other access to other things. In fact, one of the libraries provided seeds. Uh, you could check out seeds. You'd, you'd never, you didn't return them, but you could go there <laughs> and check out seeds for your garden at your local library. And uh, some of these libraries are realizing they need to be a little bit more than just checking out books. Yeah, you check out a seed, you return an apple a couple couple months later. That's <laughs> exactly. Well, Danielle, once again, why don't you tell the uh, audience your podcasts and how they can get connected with it, and if you have anything else to add. So the UMTRC, you can find all of our resources at umtrc.org. We are constantly updating. There's also a newsletter you can sign up for there. 
And our podcast is called A Virtual View. And like I said, we air episodes two times a month on the first and third Fridays. And you can access that from our website, but you can also access it anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, all that. And I think that's all I have. But thank you so much for having me today. This was great. Well, Danielle, from one professional podcaster to the <laughs> other, we, we appreciate you being on our program. Yeah, thanks so much. You've reached the end of another episode of Excel with Vitalgraph. Don't forget to follow us for upcoming new episodes. And please recommend this podcast to friends and family. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalograph.